Although I would say actually, I think neutral good is probably the only alignment Batman isn't. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'm sure somebody will find a counterexample. I hope so. Please add us. Dangerous Neutral Zone in New York City. I'm your host, Shane. And I'm your host, Ishan. And welcome to episode 208 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're talking about the neutral good alignment and probably getting into an argument. But first, the rogue traders really test that fourth wall in the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign. And later, the rescue ranger picks up the slack in the character creation forge. Total Party Thrill is brought to you this week by D&D Beyond. D&D Beyond is the official digital resource for Dungeons & Dragons. And it's a good thing too, isn't it Shane? Because it's very useful. It is. You can use it to build characters, you can use it to track your campaign, to run adventures, and now with the beta version you can build encounters, you can do all types of things in there. Yeah, but don't take our word for it. Ask the people in our game who, uh, you know, play the other characters in the campaigns that we're running. Because mm-hmm. really, they're the ones who get the most use out of it because they don't have to lug character sheets around. Um, I think I get the most use out of it because I can look up all of the rules that people ask about. Have you not memorized those rules yet after all this time? Absolutely not. Mm, that makes sense. There's limited space. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can ask them uh, on Discord. Uh, we'll get to that later. I'm sure there'll be a link somewhere. <laughs> D&D Beyond also has lots of awesome free content, like the D&D Basic Rules, Articles from writers like James J. Heck and videos from Todd Kenrick. They're always updating the site with new features too. Sometimes I'm the last to know about them because people at the table are saying, hey, look at this neat new thing. And I'm like, I'm trying to tell a story here. And they're like, we don't care. And if you're looking to get started and also interested in the D&D Essentials kit, remember that you can get half off by using the code inside D&D Essentials. So if that sounds interesting, you can check it all out at dndbeyond.com. Speaking of not listening to me, Shane, where are we in the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign? So the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign is our Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader game played using Dark Heresy 2nd Edition rules by Fantasy Flight Games. And on the Death World Iblis Prime, in the frontier city of Meridian, the Rogue Traders have set out to establish a colony in the name of the Holy Throne of Terra and Prophet. And high above the Death World Iblis Prime, the Rogue Traders are hurtling through the sky toward an island below them. After scoring an invitation to join the Technogangers League, they entered with a team of Captain Horst, of the Honor Guard, Seneschal Trix, and the Astropath Flare, and there's a voice booming out over them. What does this voice say, Shane? It says, I am the Seer Unknown, and welcome to my battleground. The rules are simple. You are falling, unarmed, toward an island. My island. On my island are a variety of items you may find useful in order to ensure that you are the last team alive. You have been provided a map on which I have marked certain locations. Inside those locations, I have hidden chests. Those chests contain loot of unimaginable power. If you find one, you may have the upper hand. Also, to the witch, do not use your powers. If you do so, you will suffer greatly, for you are not powerful enough to control them here on my island. I wasn't here for this, uh for this session but is this just Fortnite? uh yeah a little bit of Fortnite, a little bit of player unknowns battleground 
Okay, cool, uh-huh. cool. Uh, I don't know what the seer sounds like, but I like to think it's that uh, Irish guy from Braveheart who's uh-huh. just like, it's my island. <laughs> <laughs> I am the seer unknown. <laughs> Do I get to kill the English? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I mean, that's right. kind of how everybody in 40K sounds, so yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> You're right. Do you like my jaunty cap? <laughs> All right, with barely any time for consideration, the entire group heads toward the area marked Crumbling Ruins, uh, which they can indeed see are crumbling ruins of some kind of early civilization. I mean, I guess, I guess that makes sense, right? It was, this is all about archaeotech. Yep, and inside, they find one of those chests just kind of tinkling along in a corner, making a little noise for them, leads them to it, and they begin gearing themselves up. Trix finds a common Prapa Chapa. Uh, this is a big orc slashy sword, right? Uh, an axe. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Flair finds the epic Xenomesh armor and a common glorified flashlight, uh, which is, what, carapace and a las pistol? Uh, las gun, yeah. Yeah. And Horst finds a common piece of scrap metal in the vague shape of an Aquila and the rare bolt gun from the blue. That actually sounds like the, the best loot in this chest. Oh, no, it's a piece of scrap metal that's in the vague shape of an Aquila. It's nothing else. What's the bolt gun, though? <laughs> oh, that's a bolt gun. Okay. It's a blue bolt gun because it's rare, you see. <laughs> oh, I see. Uh it's not green because it's not part of a set. No, that's uh, Diablo. Yeah, there's no there's no greens in uh, Fortnite. There's only gray, blue, purple, and uh, gold. Too complicated. Mm-hmm. Too complicated. Mm-hmm. Can I can I just uh, pay a microtransaction and get better stuff? Oh yes, in fact, that was the next thing I offered them. <laughs> oh, okay. For five actual dollars, I offered them a uh, a loot box <laughs> that was guaranteed to have a legendary. <laughs> All right. So in the distance, they hear the ominous sounds of battle. Uh, and a number is projected in the sky. It's slowly ticking down from 99 towards zero. So with their current position secure, uh, Flair begins experimenting with his minor psychic powers. Oh, you mean the thing that the voice specifically told him not to do? Literally the one rule, yeah. Okay. It's the first thing he does. It's uh-huh. like, oh, okay, I found a gun and I found armor. Mm, I'm going to start using psychic powers. Yep. Cool. So uh, as you might have projected... <laughs> As soon as he opens his mind to the warp, it is painfully corrupting. So he decides that it would be better if he didn't do that anymore. I mean, he's already been corrupted. Why not just go for it? Yeah, you know, well, he's not on the path to moral failure the way that Doc is. So I think he stops. All right. So they consult their map and see they have two nearby locations, the Mountains of Madness or the Lowland Lake. They, of course, opt for the latter because why would you not? It doesn't say the terrible lowland lake that will murder you in your sleep. Oh, no, 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 no. Make no mistake. They assumed that this was a trap. (laughs) They briefly considered going to the Mountains of Madness because it was probably a misnomer. Yeah, but then, of course, that would also be a trap. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I I clearly should pick the Mountains of Madness. Exactly. (laughs) So the three of them begin crossing this rolling green plain. Uh, kind of searching for loot as they go, you know, ready for a fight. They've yet to actually see anybody yet in the battleground. And mostly they're finding common trash, right? Stuff that they kind of pick up, discard, don't get a whole lot of use out of. But Flair eventually finds a curious idol, which he examines and then takes some more corruption. Because what did you expect, Flair? Don't don't touch it. Why would you touch it? Mm-hmm. That's a terrible idea. All right, so out of nowhere, a lone rando the sole survivor of another group, stumbles upon them. 
He begs them, please, my group was slaughtered. I don't even have a gun. Have some mercy. I mean, if he doesn't have a gun, it's not really... He's just dead weight, isn't he? Well, he's also got no loot. Oh. Well, I mean, there's one way to find out. Uh-huh. So, Trix uh, uses his proper chopper and executes him. Uh-huh. And the number in the sky ticks down to 62. We'll find out what happens next, next week. So this week, we are continuing our series on playing the Nine Alignments. And this week, we are finally talking about playing Neutral Good. Uh, Shane, what the heck is alignment? So alignment is the classical uh, measurement of morality and, and personality in Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, it's the D&D MBTI. <laughs> right. <laughs> So it has a good and evil scale. It has a law and chaos scale. They are typically treated as axes. So if you are lawful, you believe in order, duty, and reliability. You believe you can't just do whatever you want to or society will fall apart. If you're chaotic, on the other end of that spectrum, uh, you believe in personal freedom, flexibility, and self-expression. You know that mindless obedience and deference to authority just crushes the spirit. And then, of course, if you believe in good, you believe in altruism, you have a respect for life, you are compassionate, uh, a good person goes out of their way to help others, even if it might result in harm to themselves. If you're an evil person, though, you are selfish, you like to inflict harm, uh, you favor oppression, you'll seek personal gain even if it actively harms other people. So each of these axes uh, is divided into three parts, law, chaos, and neutral in the middle, and the other one... uh, Good, evil, and neutral in the middle. This gives us nine different alignments. And today we're talking about the top middle, mm-hmm. neutral good. Yep. So what is neutral good? A character that's neutral good pursues what is right and what is good above all else without regard for how that goodness is accomplished, right? So if the empire uh, that controls most of the daily lives of the citizens is actually looking after its people, hey, so much the better. That, that sounds good. I don't necessarily have a problem with authority and if it turns out that you know reckless abandon and anarchy is what's really keeping people happy then you know so be it yeah neutral good tend to be pure-hearted they're good for goodness sake uh just like santa claus would prefer yeah uh uh-huh i mean santa claus no he's lawful good he's he's all about those rules yeah but he insists that you should be good for goodness sake Mm -hmm. he wants you to be neutral good Mm -hmm. because he's a hypocrite yeah yeah, eats all those cookies, but when kids try to eat all those cookies, suddenly they're being bad. Right. Mm. Uh, you're also likely to be uh, at least a bit utilitarian. You know, a neutral good person often thinks, what action can I undertake that is doing the most good for the most number of people? So it's important to remember that like, you're not lawful good, right? You don't really have time for rules that are getting in the way of making the right choice, right? Like you are not the one who stands idly by uh, while other people are saying, well, I mean, yeah, it didn't really harm anyone, but like you did steal that loaf of bread and stealing is wrong. So we have to put you in jail, even though you were starving. Yeah. And then the flip side of that is that you're also not chaotic good, right? You don't chafe at well-intentioned authority. Like it is, it is okay, uh, for you to kind of reduce a society's freedom if that ends up being better for everyone. It's also possible to be philosophically neutral, right? You're still a good person, but you believe that there should be a certain amount of law and a certain amount of chaos in the universe. And so you want to stay right in the middle and, you know, fall to neither side. This is probably much more likely in a setting where, like, 
law and chaos and good and evil are, are sort of like fundamental facets of the the multiverse, um, like tangible things that you can measure. Mm-hmm. Or I guess, you know, be something like Greyhawk, right? Where you could be like a good person and you don't want to like hurt people, but you still believe in like this sort of arbitrary concept of the balance. Right. So one of the things that you need to think about as a neutral good character is that you need to decide how do you define goodness? Like whose point of view is goodness measured from? What are you neutral about and what is the good? Yeah. And like if you're a typical fantasy human, then you might have a particular idea of goodness, like civilization and, you know, calmness and agriculture. But if you're a typical fantasy orc, do you feel the same way about what is good and just and right? I do not. Yes, that's that's very true. You are, in fact, an orc. I'm a typical fantasy troll. Thank you. <laughs> I, I burn you and yet yeah. <laughs> you've got something else going on. Uh, I think it's also important to remember that neutral good is probably, like even if people don't necessarily know this, is probably like the default alignment for most games, or at least most games that like heroic don't fall games. apart right away. Yeah, exactly. Heroic games, yeah. Um, where like in general, you're sort of expected to like go do the good thing and save the people and like help people out and go on fetch quests because like you're a good person, right? And then you can kind of decide whether like that manifests itself in a lawful way or or a good way. Yeah, and you're gonna kill some stuff, but you're not gonna worry too much about it because it's probably bad stuff, right? And we'll talk a little bit later about how like this can actually cause some problems with the alignment, but we you know we'll get into that later. So Shane, what are some reasons that you might want to actually play a neutral good character? Uh, You might want to be the archetypal hero, the one who always tries to do the right thing. Yeah, like this is this is the one in the stories, you know, Um, there is the the paladin who is lawful good and like strives to be like even better than than good and like, you know, swears fealty and all that. But like the regular hero who like starts off as the farm boy and like goes out into the world and gets caught up into something bigger and now is out to like save the world. They're neutral good. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't even really necessarily know about law or chaos or like how they're going to go about this. All they really know is like, gosh, darn it. I'm going to go out there and and make sure that like I'm going to save my farm. Right. Um, neutral good is also like kind of a, an easy motivation to play, right? People are in need. A good can be done. So I'm going to go do it. Yeah. Uh, am I going to get paid? I don't know, but like, it, it's a good thing for me to go do this. Well, I don't want to see people get hurt. That's, that would make me feel terrible. Right. You can also be the character who's the beacon of hope. Uh, so you may not necessarily be really naive. You could be the character who believes that everything Uh, And everyone can be better than they are. Like you are the one who is striving not only for you to be good, but you want to set an example for other people uh, to be good. Not necessarily like following the rules, but, you know, just being kind and good and gentle to to other people. The the one who like is continually good, even in the face of adversity or betrayal. Yeah. And neutral good is also good if you want to be the naive hero. Right, the hero who trusts too easily, who ends up getting tricked by those who are selfish or evil, you know, kind of the the patsy, the fool. This is like this is pretty Luke Skywalker, huh? Um is he is he tricked? Who tricks him? Uh lots of people. Han Solo. No, he doesn't trust Han in the first place. I mean, but then he does, right? 
And he comes back. Yeah. Wait, no, hang on. <laughs> he never trusted him. Luke didn't he, think Han he, was coming he back. Be- he believes in him. He uh. wants him to be so good, and he 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 thinks, you know, don't don't worry. Han's Han's got our back, and then Han doesn't have their back, and then Han does have their back because he changes him. He's good. Uh, I know what you're going for here. Okay, I, I, yeah, I'm not yeah. so sure that that applies, but that's okay. Well, how about this? <laughs> the neutral good character often is the one who is unswayable and incorruptible. Right? Now, like, that feels more like Luke. Well, until until you get to uh, Legends. <laughs> well, well, sure, okay. Right? And then he's like, I don't know, it's, it's a Tuesday, I better go to the dark side again. Until, until this character is assassinated, yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> By 19 different writers, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, there, there's the neutral good character, um, and this probably goes along with Beacon of Hope, where... Uh, you just want to be good, and there and there's no argument that someone can make that like uh, we need to do evil things for the greater good, or like for authority, or like to throw off our chains, or anything like that, right? Like, good is its own end, good is its own reward. You are good for the sake of goodness, and so what possible reason could there be for you to like fall to evil? Like, there's there's no allure to it for you, right? And then I think another one that uh, works really well is if you want to be a character who's kind of in the middle and expect them to choose a side of law or chaos at some point later, right? So you have that arc of kind of not really having a strong feeling and then growing into one or the other based on your campaign and experience. Yeah, this can be a lot of fun if uh, the campaign is specifically revolving around issues of authority, dealing with like an evil empire and things like that. You know, do you reform? Do you overthrow? You can start neutral good and just sort of see uh, where your character is drawn. Yeah. All right. So what are some reasons for neutral good characters to go out adventuring? There's great evil in the world and Uh it must be stopped. Like, why else would we be out here? You know, I just wanted to spend my life on my farm, my quiet farm. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But no, that wasn't in the cards, and so here I am. Uh, neutral good characters can also kind of be more on the the selfish side, right? Like you can have the neutral good character questing for glory, or um, you know, some other kind of uh, duty or or um, whatever, right? Like some reason to leave uh, in order to kind of benefit everybody, but also benefit themselves. Yeah, I don't think you need to be selfless, right? Um, I think maybe lawful good is probably law. Actually, lawful and chaotic good are probably more selfless than neutral good. Where you know, you don't necessarily have to give something up in order to just like do the right thing. You're you're out here and hey, if this if this helps me, if I get famous or anything like that, like what's the problem with that? Mm-hmm. Uh, you might also just be out there finding yourself. You know, and part of that might be becoming more famous, becoming more powerful. Uh, but like this is the the very like prototypical hero's journey. Um, you're out there, and and like maybe you want something more, but you're not necessarily like self self serving. Yeah. Uh, so like you get that call that call to action. You're like, eh, I don't know. Things are good here, and I like it. So there I was defending that caravan when I thought to myself, perhaps there's a greater calling for me. There are so many caravans out there, and there's no one to protect them. Right. 
Uh, you might also just be the kind of wandering do-gooder, right? Like the uh, the cowboy who comes to town and just has to put their nose in something because they see something that isn't right. Yeah, why are you here? Well, you know, someone had to do it. Exactly. The uh, the kind of like, I don't know, Wyatt Earp, Doc Holliday kind of thing, right? Yeah, like it's a, it's a lawless world out here. You know, and I, I want to be a good person. And that, that kind of means like you can't stay home and still be a good person when there's so much evil out there. Right. Uh, which is not to say that Doc Holliday is neutral good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but wider kind of is. <laughs> uh, it also might just be that you are the moral compass of the party, the, the, of the adventuring party, right? Like neutral good is a, is a great place to sort of like put a stake in the ground and be like, I'm the one who's going to make sure that like the crazy rogue and like the fanatic paladin and like the necromancer who's tagging along who we're all putting up with don't totally go off the rails. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the moral dilemmas that you can face uh, or that you can challenge neutral good characters with? I think it's probably a little tougher to come up with with interesting moral dilemmas for a neutral good character because they they only really care about the one thing and and like goodness and like solving people's problems and helping people doesn't usually clash with like other characters in the party or um like the the goals of the the quest in the first place right yeah, yeah it's not really a moral dilemma of do we get paid for this or not you know it's like you can only really have that one or two times before everybody goes no 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 no, no we're getting paid yeah yeah like this is this is the character you you want to GM for because they're the one picking up the plot hooks and being like, yeah, you know what? That sounds really interesting. There's adventure over there, and there are people who like could really use our help. Let's go do that. Yeah, those people in hoods are doing bad stuff. Let's go stop them. Bad stuff? Oh no! Right. But uh, if you have a neutral good character who wants to wrestle with things, there are definitely um, some options you can you can present to them. Uh, it could be that, you know, out here in the wide world, things just aren't as black and white as they are back home, right? Like, if you grow up not necessarily delving into, like, this philosophical conundrum of law versus chaos, if, if your, like, guiding star is, I do the right thing and I do things that help people, it probably was a relatively easy life if, if you come from, like, a quiet village. Mm-hmm. But, like, once you're out here... There are so many people who disagree about what is the right thing to do. And like, actually, many of them might be correct. Like in in a battle between like druids and farmers, who's actually right in terms of like how much of the forest should be cut down? Right. Uh, You might also face a moral dilemma around helping your enemies or um, perhaps giving mercy, things like that, Um, you know, which can inadvertently benefit people that are perhaps undeserving. Yeah, I think of Saving Private Ryan, right? When, like, spoilers, they don't kill the Nazis, mm-hmm. right? Like, they capture them. Uh, and, like, they're they're neutral they're neutral grid soldiers, right? They're like, we don't want to kill these people. You're telling us that you've been forced to fight. Like, I, I don't want your blood on my hands. And it only really becomes a dilemma at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. right? When, like, you suffer for being a good person. Right. So this is a situation where like your principles clash with your reality. Um, I think, yeah, very specifically, you can you can come across this. Like, I think neutral good characters usually are fine with like killing in combat 
I mean, maybe you have a pacifist or maybe you have someone who like doesn't doesn't want to kill at all. But like, you know, if, if the goblins are attacking, you probably you kill the goblins. But what if you what if they surrender? What if, uh, you know, you you take prisoners? Neutral good characters are, are like not the kind of people who like will will kill prisoners in, in order to just like have it not be a hassle. Mm hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, I think that that's very based on genre as well, right? Like, in a more modern game, it's very likely that a neutral good person is not going to kill anybody. Whereas, like, you know, in fantasy, stuff has to die. Like, that is that is the convention by which we move the story forward, so you've got to fight. Right, and you can put a little pressure on that, like, okay, they've captured prisoners, um, but what if you are infiltrating like the giant stronghold. There's no place to put those prisoners. There's, these You could shackle them, but that probably means they're just going to be squashed by giants in the first combat. Like, is it more merciful just to finish them off or like not take any prisoners so you don't have to worry about it? Mm -hmm. And then I think you get this a lot in fiction where when you have the, the sort of like defiant good character, the one who like is incorruptible, um, y you end up facing off with like these foils, these antagonists who... Um, always stab you in the back and yet you always after defeating them let them go or like put them in jail right like how many times does batman put the joker in jail um 100 100 right uh and i think there are other people sort of pointing at him and being like no you should just kill him right <laughs> why don't you just kill him yep although i would say actually i think neutral goods probably the only alignment batman isn't hmm Hmm. Well, I'm sure somebody will find a counterexample. I hope so. Please add us. Um, so let's talk about how neutral good characters interact with the world. Uh, because alignment is really about that interaction, right? And especially how they interact with other people. So how do neutral good characters interact with authority figures? I think it's kind of a live and let live. Like if the authority figure is competent, or if they are kind, like one or the other, right? You could be a, a bad king and, and like, but be kind hearted. And I think a neutral good character will still usually like give them the benefit of the doubt and not be like, oh, time to overthrow, right? Um, then, yeah, they're, you're usually loyal um, or will like listen to that particular kind of authority. And if you get an authority figure, uh, figure who is incompetent um, or cruel, then they'll do pretty much whatever it takes to to overthrow them. So how about neutral good characters interacting with their enemies? My guess is that a lot of neutral good characters end up beholden to the rules of engagement. Not necessarily out of like a duty to law, right? But like rules of engagement usually exist so that, um, you know, innocent people don't get caught in the crossfire or like they prevent uh, wanton cruelty on the battlefield. Yeah, like the idea is to... Don't cause more suffering than is necessary, right? So you don't need to uh, cause extra pain. You don't need to burn someone if you can quickly, you know, justly dispatch them with a uh, beheading or something like that. Yeah. I also think that you you don't need to worry about like sort of maybe arbitrary rules that a paladin might need to deal with or, or, or someone who's like lawful good, right? Like... If you want to poison someone like that, that seems just as effective, especially like if someone is worthy of you killing them, then like who cares if you poison them or stab them, right? Yeah. Yeah. And likewise, like you don't need to detain them so that you can bring them back for trial. <laughs> you know, like uh, you know what the outcome of that is, like just move on to justice. 
Yeah, especially if you're dealing with like corrupt authority. Like, I think a neutral good character is probably the like very, very unlikely to say, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna like capture them according to like the rules and bring them back for a, a kangaroo court, and like nothing's gonna happen." Right. Like, especially if you know that, then I I think extra ju- judicial justice is probably much more likely. But you will still respect your enemy's humanity. Um, I think even probably if they're not necessarily human, right? Like you don't desecrate bodies, you don't kill families, you don't hold hostages. Um, yeah. We already talked about like not killing those prisoners. Yeah, I think towards enemies, like neutral good gives you license to be pragmatic, um, but it also leaves room to be idealistic, right? So you've got a lot of flexibility there. Yeah, I think you have a lot of choices, right? Like you can say, my my top aim right the thing that i want more than anything else is to further the cause of goodness i want the just and right thing to happen and so if i can see the most like pragmatic way to do that the quickest path to that outcome i'll just take that but also because like i value goodness and like the goodness in people maybe along the way i'm actually taking detours and stopping and trying to convince people to like write right their their wrongs or like come over to the good side you know but but you don't have to do that yeah so how about neutral good characters interacting with chaotic characters i think uh it's probably likely that you feel that they're undisciplined right they're sort of liable to fly off the handle and do whatever they feel like doing yeah i mean i think that's the uh that's the frustrating aspect of it i think the alternative is that you might find them like refreshingly unburdened right you you don't have to they don't have to deal with the kind of bureaucracy and red tape and authority that more lawful characters do yeah and i think the thing that probably informs this is how you feel about being neutral how you feel about your own position like are you sort of trapped by even the laws that you adhere to necessarily or or not and this works like on the other side too when you're dealing with lawful characters like it's quite likely you view them as uptight. Right. Um, but if, if like you're viewing the chaotic character negatively, you might actually look at the lawful character as like someone to look up to someone to aspire to be like, as for evil characters, I think uh, you're like, this is pretty cut and dry. Yeah. I mean, they're the enemy, right? Like people who go out and do evil are, are the problem you have to stop them. That's what neutral good is. That's how you define yourself is by good and not by the other aspects of law and chaos. Right. I stand against that. That is who I am. That is what I do. Uh, Probably like they discuss you depending on exactly like how evil they are or what kind of evil they engage in. Um, It probably feels like you have nothing in common with them, although it can be fun to play around with them as sort of like a dark mirror, right? You Mm -hmm. are actually very similar, except that they are a twisted version or they are um, only the opposite of you in one aspect. Yeah. You might also pity evil characters, right? Like even in that kind of like foil aspect, right. Of, you know, they could be better, but because of some personal failing, they're evil. Um, And that, that sucks for them, but they're still going to face justice. But, you know, I feel a little bit of pity for you. Yeah, this is probably my my favorite foil for the neutral good character um, who like sees the good in everyone and like believes that like everyone sort of is inherently good because you have this person who is not good. So like there must be a reason for it. And like, you know, you like in stories, lots of times you'll have someone who's like 
irredeemably evil how could they possibly be like this and then you get the the backstory like the flashback to their childhood and you're like oh wow okay yeah i guess that makes sense i mean it's bad but i guess it makes sense exactly (laughs) so how about other good characters i mean i think your your initial response is like these are your people these are the people you get along with um they they think like you and and there's some room in there for you to begin exploring um like not seeing eye to eye with other good characters Mm -hmm. but i think probably that bothers you maybe more than it does some others like lawful and chaotic good characters understand that other people disagree with them or may disagree with their methods or their outlook but i think the neutral good character is probably the one who's being like why aren't we all getting along like we're all on the same side we all want the same thing can't we just work together and please stop fighting with each other what's wrong with you yeah it's like exasperation at at the the misplaced priority right yeah totally and like the mis- the wasted effort right. that we could be spending on like fixing this problem if if like all of you could just get over yourselves yeah exactly so in terms of seeing the other party members, I think neutral good characters tend to see them or treat them like family or crew or, you know, comrades and compatriots. Yeah, again, the the neutral good characters is often the one who's sort of ideal in the party because they're the one who, like, wants to take in the strays, you know, wants uh, everyone to get along with each other and is willing to make the compromises because they're not the strident one who necessarily has a position other than, like, don't be crappy to each other. Right. And I think neutral good characters often end up as leaders, right? Because they kind of see both sides and make the the neutral decision. Um, But sometimes they are sort of the more even-handed lieutenant of the leader of a group. Yeah, you can end up in either of those positions maybe because you feel like you are the best one to make those decisions, but also like sometimes the rest of the the party is the one who's like, who they sort of appoint you as leader because you are the least biased one, right? Like you'll take everyone's feelings into account, but also like you, you don't have these strange principles uh, that like other people don't necessarily agree with. Yeah, basically the only reason that Frodo was the leader of the fellowship, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no other leadership qualities except being freaking neutral. You're the most average one. Right. The most English one. <laughs> so I think that leads right into the next thing we should talk about, which is pitfalls about playing neutral good. Uh, because it can be difficult to sort of spice up the relatively blase or no that's the right word <laughs> it, it like it, it can be a trap to fall in to play neutral good as blase i don't think you necessarily i don't think you have to at all right but uh, you probably aren't picking neutral good if alignment is like your like reason for being this character right yeah a lot of it, it feels difficult to be actively neutral good Right. Um, And so I think that that that's where the challenge lies a lot of times is that if you're not actively doing something in a role playing game, a lot of times it's hard to recognize that you are anything at all. Yeah. And I think that's a shame a bit because a neutral good character doesn't always get the spotlight because they're not necessarily the one saying like, no, I'm drawing a line in the sand here. Right. Unless it's about like not doing evil things, but like the majority of the party is probably doing that too. Right. 
Um, but at the same time, like you end up being the glue that sort of like holds the party together and and keeps the plot moving forward. So like definitely don't write these characters off and try to make sure that like you are spicing things up um, so that you know that you're shaking up their world a little bit, right? Like it's pretty easy to sort of coast as as neutral good and and I think it's fun to like if if they are a naive character um or, or if they are like going out and trusting people and like being being kind to everybody it's it's nice it's fun to like have them get screwed over have them betrayed have them taken in by like a a confidence man at some point yeah i mean i think the pitfall with that is just that the character never grows out of that naivete like by the time the third huckster comes along and and tricks you into doing something that you didn't want to do like at that point it's it's not really that interesting of a character and it's just a very frustrating trope yeah and that's why i think you you kind of need to mix it up right like yes you'll face a huckster but then also you will face people who like actually are down on their luck and are begging not because they're trying to trick you right mm-hmm. and you can bring all of those back around like you can find out later like Someone you were like, no, no, you're not tricking me this time. Uh, turns out like they they weren't trying to trick you, right? Like it it's an opportunity to sort of play the real world where like there are people out there trying to screw you over, and there are people out there who who aren't, and it it's actually tough to know. Like it's inside checks or it's your gut. All right, so what are some plot hooks you can use to engage uh, neutral good characters? So I think one is the neutral good against the world right you're a good person in a bad world um you can kind of stand out as that beacon right um as that contrast to the rest of the world where you have that that challenge of you know like so much of the world is dark and you have to maintain that spark of of light yeah like it's really easy to be good when like the rest of the world is good and things are going well and like everyone around you also wants to do good things you know and it's much harder to maintain that or, or to even like get away with doing good things and not screwing other people over when like you're in a treacherous society or like, you know, everything around you is terrible and dour. Yeah. You can also play um, games where the neutral good character is the only like kind of sane person in the room, right? Particularly when you've got like the lawful and chaotic like strongly lawful and strongly chaotic characters in the party where the the direction is very fundamental to them like it can you can kind of play that plot hook where like cool we have to find middle ground because you guys are going to war over the correct solution yeah i think this happened a lot in our birthright game right where you have some characters who are like uh, well, I'm interested in money and others are like, well, I'm interested in war and, and like taking over the neighboring country. And like there are a few characters on the council who are just like, all right, I'm interested in keeping everyone together and not having us devolve into civil war. So <laughs> uh, to be clear, we were interested in conquering the uh, other half of our country so that we could reunite. Oh, yeah, because uh, the world uh, was in danger. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that is to present a united front. Exactly. Neutral goods conquest yep that's us neutral good <laughs> as as a country right that's a... <laughs> right uh, you can also have a situation where you're wondering if you're actually the bad guy um if it turns out that like 
most of the quest that you've been undertaking has actually been uh, like a, a plot by your enemy or like your mentor or benefactor who turns out to have been evil. Like it can be a, a good twist in the second act to, to find out like you have furthered the cause of evil. Like, like, Oh no, what, what have you done? And, and like, what are the consequences of that? Um, and then of course, like in the third act to like go out and, and write that, that gives you a lot of motivation to go fix it. Yeah. Which can also kind of lead into the next plot hook, which is how far will you go to be good? Right. Like what will you sacrifice personally in order to achieve the good outcome? Yeah. Like, can you be forced to do evil? Will you do evil in order to like have some other kind of good outcome? Right. Or yeah, exactly. Like, will you sacrifice your personal morality in favor of a better outcome? Right. This is the trolley problem. Right. So you should. As we wrap up here, uh, have you ever played a neutral good character? I think pretty much any character that I've played that alignment wasn't like big and bold on the sheet was probably neutral good. Like I, I lean toward good characters anyway. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you do because, you know, you're role playing and you don't want to be the thing you are in real life. Yeah. Ne- neutral good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, honestly, I think that the majority of my characters are neutral good because like if I'm if I'm doing like a a lawful neutral or a lawful good character, then that's the thing that I I want to play, but I don't want to do that all the time, right? Like I, I feel like I've already done that recently, and so like I'm I'm not going to do it again. Uh, and so it's sort of the same thing with like chaotic characters and like evil characters you play like every once in a while or maybe only in an evil in an evil campaign so yeah for the most part i'm playing neutral good characters and i'm looking for ways to sort of engage them uh and to like have a conversation about alignment without necessarily having it be my entire character yeah i mean i think that's that's why it ends up being a good default right is it's just like cool if you don't want alignment to be a huge part of your character but you do want to be able to easily pick up the most likely plot threads and like be a you know be a proactive player neutral good will do it yeah and you're in a position where you can branch off to other potentially more interesting alignments at some other point if that's a direction you want to go into you can go paladin you can go robin hood you can even sort of like retreat and and be like no i'm just i'm just true neutral right like balance actually really is important Mm -hmm. all right do you hear that ishan yes it's the stillness of the woods for i am now a druid well Let's move on to the Character Creation Forge and see how druidly you can be. But before we do that, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sends Carne. That's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at TotalPartyThrill. And check out the link in the show notes to join the conversation on Discord. So this week, Total Party Thrill is brought to you by Jeff Stevens and his Villains and Lairs line of supplements on the Dungeon Masters Guild. Yep, Villains and Lairs is a five-star rated platinum best-selling supplement containing 56 villainous NPCs, 13 lairs, and a smattering of new magic items. Shane, I think five stars is the highest. Is that correct? Five stars is, in fact, the highest. Much like Uber, five stars is good. Much like college recruiting services, 
<laughs> five star is the best <laughs> platinum also very good platinum is up there i think it's the best i mean when you go to the jeweler uh when you're shopping for wedding rings they'll tell you platinum's the best mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. unless they've got some proprietary metal that they can try and sell you for the same price oh yeah like has... uh, palladium yeah something like that rhodium uh-huh yeah no one else has rhodium right great wonderful nobody else has like uranium either it's got such good weight i just saw chernobyl <laughs> I don't know. all the right last so... ring you wear <laughs> so each villainous entry comes with its own color image its own backstory its own motives flaws zaplock and suggestions on how a gm can use them in their game you know some of them even include flavorful new magic items so i don't trust me why don't we go to the reviews you know, I hear one reviewer writes, there's some truly excellent content here, including lots of interesting NPCs, most of whom could take on a variety of roles in either a self-contained adventure or as a more significant part of an ongoing campaign, with those roles potentially shifting over time. I think what this person is saying is, you can get this and then rip it apart into mm-hmm. tiny little pieces and use it however you see fit. Uh, it's not only this, because you said at the top that this is a series. So mm-hmm. tell me about the second installment in the series. Well, Villains and Layers 2 gives you an additional 28 NPCs and 8 more layers. Uh-huh. And how about the third entry in the series? Uh, it's free. Oh. Which, like, I mean, I assume it comes with more of that stuff, too. But... <laughs> I would assume. But, but also, a, I mean, even if it doesn't, it's price, free, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I like the idea of uh, cribbing all of this to, to use as you see fit, right? Like... You use uh, the entire book on the DM's Guild from uh, nose to tail. Mm-hmm. Yep. You even uh, you even print it and then strip the binding and then uh, use that as confetti. Yes, you can definitely do that, like a like a parade mm-hmm. for the Women's World Cup. <laughs> well, those were those were contracts. Okay. <laughs> totally different. All right, so head on over to the DM's Guild and pick yourself up some villainous NPCs. All right, so this week in the Character Creation Forge, we are building the Rescue Ranger. Shane, are you are you too young to know the Rescue Ranger? Um, no. No? You do? No. You do uh, know the Rescue Ranger. Wait, is the Rescue Ranger the same as the Rescue Rangers? Oh, yes, yes, because sometimes... Like ch ch in Dale? Yeah, some crimes go slipping through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But this is not the same as the Rescuers Down Under. No, that's that's very different. They okay. were chipmunks, and the rescuers are mice. Oh, totally different. <laughs> totally different. And rodent. also, there was a movie called Just the Rescuers, and the Rescuers Down Under was a sequel that came many years later. Yeah, I know, but the Rescuers Down Under was better than the original because it was like modern animation at the time and no not way. like the cranky old ones. No way, man. The original Rescuers was super creepy. Oh, God. <laughs> Poor Penny. Yeah. Great. I vaguely remember them uh, riding on the back of the albatross with a uh, sardine can for a uh, like cabin. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, in the in the first one though, there's a creepy crocodile. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, fun. Yeah, go go scare some children and watch it. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, what is the rescue ranger? Uh, well, this particular build is. A good detective, just like Chip and Dale in The Rescue Rangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, also a good chipmunk. 
But okay. if, however, you have no idea what that TV show is and you never saw the Disney Afternoon, that's also fine because this build is also a good ranger and a good healer. That so, sounds like rescuing in ranger. There you go. All right, so what's the build? It is Circle of the Shepherd, Druid 5, Ranger 1, Inquisitive Rogue 14. Okay, so from five levels of Druid, we'll get third level spells. That'll include things like Guidance, Animal Friendship, Cure Wounds, Enhance Ability, Healing Spirit, Hold Person, Hypnotic Pattern. That's some good stuff. Yeah, I mean, Healing Spirit alone makes you like the best healer in the game. (laughs) A very good rescuer for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you'll be able to speak with animals uh, and most fae just out of the box. Uh, and you'll get a spirit totem, which can take on a variety of forms, one of which is a hawk, which gives you advantage on perception, which makes you very good at noticing clues. The other, Another is a unicorn, which heals everybody in the aura that you choose anytime you cast the heal spell. And if you want to be a good ranger, then you only need one level of ranger. So we'll take that to get our favorite enemy, beasts. And Do you our... recall who Chippendale would uh, usually be fighting against? No, I only recall that Komodo dragon from the sequel. Oh. Okay. Uh, maybe a Gila monster? Wait, the sequel? Are you thinking of the movies again? Yeah. <laughs> That's not a different thing. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> In Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, uh, they were always up against Fat Cat and his animal minions. So, of course, that's beasts. Although, I don't know, maybe monstrosities, just depending on what talking animals are in your game. Oh, uh, oh, I forgot, as a druid, uh, of course, you can turn into chipmunks. Right. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And chipmunks belong in the forest, so we'll have natural explorer forests. Absolutely. They live in a tree. Uh, also, uh, you can uh, you can uh, summon some uh, some woodland creatures, right? So that's gonna be mice, because I think Gadget and Monterey Jack, both mice. Then from Rogue, we'll get seventy six for sneak attack and insightful fighting, so we can measure up our opponent. You'll get cunning action, um, which lets you scamper away, just like those chipmunks always do. Or sometimes they like dodge blows that should definitely be hitting them. Or like they'll like hide in somebody's sleeve. You can do all that as a bonus action. We'll also get evasion and uncanny dodge because it is hard to hurt those chipmunks. And you'll roll a minimum of an eight on any insight check, uh, at least starting at level three. At level 11, you'll have reliable talent, which means it'll be a minimum of a 10. Uh, We'll also get four expertises, which will take for perception, investigation. Both of which you can do as a bonus action. And you can also do it with advantage at half speed. And... Uh, your little capstone, you'll get blind sense. So it doesn't matter if you can't see anything, you can still see everything. In terms of leveling order, we'll start with four levels of rogue, take our ranger level, then take all of our five druid levels, and finish out with rogue. So Ishan, who is your rescue ranger? My rescue ranger uh, grew up in a small village. You know, just a neutral good kid uh, in town, living a pretty simple life. You know, everyone around her was good. Uh, life was pretty good, so it was pretty easy to be good until one terrible day uh, when people started dying. Nobody really knew how. Nobody really knew why. Just bodies started showing up. Strange, terrible rituals, weird animal tracks. And she realized, you know what? If not me, then who? Who will stop this? Uh, and so she headed out into the woods, into the, I don't know, let's say forbidden forest, uh, started looking around following tracks, snooping around, uh, poking her nose where it didn't belong until she finally figured out who was causing all of this mess. 
fat cat. A monstrous, let's go, sphinx killing people, asking them riddles and killing them uh, when they, they couldn't answer properly because, of course, this is a tiny village without much schooling. <laughs> you don't know any of these answers. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, too, uh, too weak, too young to defeat the sphinx except by answering the riddle. And, and from then on, friends friends uh rivals rivals with the sphinx and now off into the wide world to continue to solve all kinds of mysteries in the forest okay what about your rescue ranger so i'm gonna lean into the uh the rescue part of this Mm -hmm. rescue ranger Mm -hmm. um my rescue ranger is actually uh from a coastal town um grew up you know, uh, near the sea, on the sea, on boats, swimming in the sea, um, knows that there are all types of calamities that uh, the sea can cause um, to unwitting and unsuspecting uh, sailors or swimmers. Uh, And so you might say that my rescue ranger is something of a lifeguard, Um, kind of patrols the sea, uh, patrols the coast to make sure that you know, any survivors of shipwrecks or, you know, any uh, calm vacation goers, I guess. I don't know. Fantasy settings don't really have vacation resorts, but whatever. Um, but, you know, like uh, kind of a Coast Guard, lifeguard type role. Um, and then, of course, gets drawn to an adventure elsewhere because sometimes it it's time to leave. Um, perhaps the survivor of a shipwreck, um, you know, gives them a clue and just plays the thread out from there and all of a sudden you're part of an adventuring group and you keep going and these people need your help and well here we are playing a lifeguard huh mm-hmm. yeah you're killing me smalls uh-huh all right before we wrap up we want to take a moment and thank our patreon supporters your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show every single week so if you'd like to learn more you can check out our rewards at patreon.com slash total party thrill You can also support the show by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. If you do that, we will read it on the air. This is the best non-actual play RPG podcast around by Seabass Run Numbers. I love this show. The guys are clever, insightful, and well-read, and there is always something to take away from each episode. Their character concepts are on point, their adventure recaps are compelling, and all their other content is not just filler. I've been listening for the last few months, and I'm just now getting caught up. But guys, can we talk about when we're going to review the Midgard campaign setting? It is on the list. Hey, Cobalt Press, send us a copy of the Midgard campaign setting. Also, I think uh, if anyone needs any proof that our character concepts are on point, you just need to listen to this episode. I mean... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Super on point. (laughs) Uh, okay, last thing before we wrap up, uh, we will very shortly be at Gen Con in Indianapolis. So if you are also going to be there, give us a shout out, uh, throw us a message on Discord or Twitter or email us or whatever and let us know and maybe we can get together. All right, what do we have planned for next week's episode? We'll be talking about tropes. And in the Character Creation Forge, we're building the Acrobat, who is, of course, uh, a tropes artist. Great. Eh? Uh, right, th- come see us at Gen Con. <laughs> That's it for episode 208 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening.
This week, Total Party Thrill is also brought to you by Demigods. Demigods is a new tabletop RPG about modern myths and legends. It has a huge selection of playbooks to play any way you want, in any pantheon or belief system you can think of. Demigods is kickstarting July 9th through August 8th. That's right now. For more information and a quick start of the game system, go to demigodspbta.com and follow creator Jason Mills on Twitter at It's Probably Okay. I like the idea of uh, playing in, in any pantheon. Uh, Norse gods. Norse gods would be fun. I, this feels like a very uh, American gods kind of um Oh, throw them all together. Idea. I see. I like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Old gods, new gods. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like uh, worship of concepts rather than, you know, actual deities. Yeah. I'm yeah. drugs. I'm the almighty dollar. <laughs> Uh, how can anyone defeat you? You can't. I'm the almighty dollar. It's in my name. Right. <laughs> oh no, deflation, my one weakness. <laughs> exactly. How did you know? The gold standard. <laughs> no! <laughs> I'm no longer the world's reserve currency. <laughs> I'm now the Chinese Yuan. Crypto? <laughs> <laughs> my crypto knight. <laughs> So if you are interested in Demigods, uh, check it out on Kickstarter. Check it out at demigodspbta.com and ask yourself, are you a god? And of course, the answer is yes. Yes, you are always. Of course, yes. yes. Always, always, yes. <laughs>